Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our epistle lesson for Palm Sunday, recorded for us in Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter, beginning at the fifth verse. Indeed, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed. But he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. And he was born in human likeness, and his appearance was like that of any other man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, in our world today, humility is considered to be a virtue. Everyone knows that it's not good to boast about yourself. No one likes a braggart, right? And yet there can be at times when people display false humility. Maybe they're self-deprecating in hopes that someone will notice and raise them up and sing their praises instead. Perhaps this sort of attitude is maybe similar to that famous Mac Davis song of old. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in nearly every way. Yes, humility can be faked or feigned in order to actually try to bring praise upon oneself. In our lesson for today, though, we see true humility on display. The humility of our Savior, Jesus Christ, though he was God from all eternity, yet he humbles himself. He humbles himself, and we see that as he displays that true humility, he displays it. And that that true humility is carried out in service toward others. That true humility is also worthy of praise. In both our Old Testament lesson and our Gospel lesson, we hear of the triumphant entry into Jerusalem of Jesus on Palm Sunday. Zechariah foretold this entry in his own book when he wrote these words. Look, your king is coming to you. He is riding and brings salvation. He is humble and is riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. As we picture a king entering into a city, even his own city, his capital city, we probably would picture a king coming in this way, maybe on a great war horse or riding in a golden chariot or surrounded by a great and mighty army, wanting to display his power and authority. But that's not the picture of Jesus in our lesson for today, nor was it the picture in the book of Zechariah as he foretold these events. Yes, he describes this king coming as righteous and the one bringing salvation, but he also says this about him, he is humble. He's a humble king. We see that humility in just a small way in the steed that he chooses to ride upon as he enters into Jerusalem, as he rides on the donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. In our text before us today, St. Paul also records the humility of Jesus in further detail. Though he was by nature God, 
He did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself. Describes Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, humbling himself, taking on human flesh. Why did he do those things? He did those things ultimately that he might humble himself unto death, as St. Paul records, even death on the cross. He humbles himself ultimately in service toward you and me. Maybe we can think of an example, modern example for us today of such humility or such attitude that doesn't seek to glorify itself, but seeks to serve. I think of an example of many parents. And what are we taught from little on? We're taught to follow our dreams, right? Be the best you can be. Seek a, a career that's going to bring glory and honor to yourself. There are many parents that don't complete college. Many parents that maybe don't take the career of their dreams, maybe the the career that they pictured in their mind when they were younger. Maybe instead they take on an ordinary job filled with much repetition and even manual labor. Why would a parent do such a thing? I think that there's many parents that have come to understand Who's more important than them? Their own kids, their own family. Perhaps it is that for the sake of their own children, they take on various jobs and roles. They'll maybe even drop out of school at times to provide for the needs of their family, for their spouse and for their children. You see, they place their needs before their own. They don't want to bring glory to themselves. They want to ensure that their children... And their own needs, their own ambitions are all taken care of. We think of the far greater humble service, though, that Christ came to render, didn't he? He's described as true God who humbles himself to take on human flesh. It's maybe hard for us to picture what that would be like. Maybe it'd be something like this. Imagine if tomorrow you woke up as a cockroach. What would you think? That'd be so degrading, right? That'd be so beneath you, wouldn't it? For us as human beings with our vast intellect and and our control over so much of the world around us, at least so we think, to be born a cockroach, such a lowly being? Now imagine the greater humility of God, the Son of God, who lowered himself from on high, the one who is the creator of everything, of the entire universe, was all power and authority. He lowered himself to become a human being like you and me. And why did he do it? He didn't do it simply to know what the human experience was like, to try to see what life is like for those little people down below. But he humbled himself in order to serve. Not just to serve by washing his disciples' feet as he did but to render service even unto death. As Jesus himself proclaimed in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
church art and architecture, you'll find often a pelican depicted. Maybe seems to be a strange bird for someone to choose to place in church art or in a stained glass window. We maybe would think, well, a dove, that would seem much more appropriate, would fall in line with what the scripture talks about, depicting the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a much more beautiful bird than a pelican. But a pelican has been used oftentimes in church art and in stained glass windows for this reason. According to tradition in Europe, it was believed that a pelican would go to extreme to care for its own children. If there was no food that could be found, it was believed that the pelican would even at times peck at its own chest to draw blood to feed its children. That's how much it cared for its children. That's how much it cared for its young. It would even harm itself to give its own blood so that its children could survive. How much more so has Christ done for us? You see, Jesus humbled himself, true God from all eternity. He took on human flesh so that he could suffer and die, so that he could shed his blood for you and for me, because only that price would be great enough to cover our sins. We think especially of our sins of pride, don't we? It goes back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? When Eve wanted to be like God, and so she fell into the trap of the devil. So too for us, we too at many times, in many ways in our own lives, are filled with pride. Maybe thinking of ourselves as greater than God or judges over God. Or maybe we think that we ourselves can accomplish our own salvation. But all of this is sin. Christ knew that the only way for this sin to be covered, this sin to be forgiven, for us to be saved, for our lives to be spared, our eternal lives, was through the shedding of his own blood. He knew that he would have to become a human being, that his life could be given for you and for me. His blood shed for us so that he could die a death on a cross. When we think about death on a cross, that certainly is a, is a painful death, isn't it? For nails to be driven through one's wrist and through one's feet, to be hung on that, that harsh wood for so many hours and so many days, to try to grasp for every single breath. But death on a cross wasn't just an excruciating death, a painful death. It was also a shameful death. In the Old Testament, it, it tells us that those who died and their bodies were hung up on a tree, that they were to be considered cursed by God. And yet, what does the Apostle Paul write in Galatians chapter 3 concerning the Christ? He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, Christ not only came to suffer and die for you, but to bear your curse. Not just to, to bear the most terrible agony of nails in the wood of the cross and the struggles and the breathing, but to bear the curse that your sins deserve to bear hell for you. That's why he came to humble himself, even unto death, even under the punishment of hell, to be cursed by God for you and for me. And this is the reason why he enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. 
As we just sang in our hymn, Ride On, Ride On in Majesty, in Lowly Pomp, Ride On to Die. You see, he comes to suffer and die. He humbles himself in service to you and to me. Yes, those people there that day on Palm Sunday sang Jesus' praises, but they really didn't fully understand why they should. As it mentioned in our gospel lesson for today, the people gathered because of Jesus' miracles that he had done. Many had heard of the great and wondrous miracle of raising Lazarus to life from the dead, and so they came to sing his praises. But little did they know who he actually was. The one who rode in Jerusalem before their very eyes, so humbly, so lowly, was actually the King of kings and Lord of lords, was actually the creator himself. Nor did they know why he came. He entered into Jerusalem in order to suffer and die for them, to give his life, to make payment for their sins as their Savior. But God the Father knew the glory that, was, that Jesus deserved, the glory that he deserved for all of this. So even as we read in our gospel lesson for today that if the people would have been silent, even the stones would have cried out to glorify him who came in humble service for you and for me. You know, in our country today, we often praise those who render service for other people, render service even unto death to protect human life. We can maybe think of service members or police officers who maybe have given their life in order to protect fellow soldiers or to protect innocent life. What do we do after those things happen? We'll often have great ceremonies and pin awards on such heroes, even posthumously, no, especially posthumously. That if that person rendered that service unto death, we want to honor them, we want to honor their memory, don't we? Because we recognize of that great service that they gave, even their own life for their fellow man, right? But such ceremonies are ultimately bittersweet. Yes, they recognize the honor that such individuals deserve for their actions, but they're still dead. For their families, they still mourn their loss. For their co-workers, they still mourn the loss of that service member or that police officer. But think about the much greater honor and glory that even Christ himself deserves. He didn't lay down his life merely for one, to protect one innocent life, but to protect all. He gave his life for the sins of all people of all time. He shed his blood on the cross for all of your sins, every last sin you've ever committed. We can think about the millions upon millions of sins that we commit in a lifetime. And he paid the price for your sins, but not just for your sins, but for the sins of the entire world. And this one didn't remain dead, did he? We know the rest of the story, that just a few days later, he would triumph from the grave and show himself very much so alive and victorious. For this reason... Paul continues, Therefore God also exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It describes there 
the true exaltation that Christ will receive for his humble service rendered unto death for you and for me. It says that he has received the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. What does that name mean? Think about what the angel told Joseph back in Matthew chapter 1 before he was born. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus' name means God saves. What greater name could be given to this one who rendered humble service for you and for me? God saves Jesus. The Apostle John goes on to tell us what will take place on the final day at his second coming when he comes not so humbly as he did into Jerusalem in that parade that day. John says this in Revelation 1, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. He says that everyone will see him on the final day when he comes again in glory. But John goes on later to say in Revelation 5, I also heard every creature that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. God makes clear that this one who has so humbled himself will be exalted forever and ever, that all shall bow before him praising his holy name for what he has done and especially us, who benefit from his work of service rendered unto death for you and for me. The praise of the people on Palm Sunday was very appropriate for Jesus, wasn't it? Though he appears so lowly, so humble, we know exactly who he is. God of God, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. We know that Jesus also came in all lowliness and meekness for this purpose to serve you and me to render service under death for us that we might have life. And he invites us now to do the same, to also live out our lives in humble service to him, to not place ourselves and our own ambitions above that of others, but desire to live out our lives in service toward our fellow man, understanding that as we serve one another, as we serve our kids, as our spouses, as we serve our fellow employees, as we serve our supervisors, as we serve our neighbors, we're ultimately rendering service to God, rendering service to the one who humbly served us unto death to give us the crown of life. Yes, Jesus certainly displays true humility, doesn't he? True humility that humbled himself not to seek glory and honor, but ultimately to serve you and me. And we know the glory and honor that is his now and forever, the glory and honor of the one who is our Savior forevermore. Amen. I invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore.